0: Good morning church, another fine Sunday morning. Today I wanted us to look at uh, the small book of Jude. It is one chapter, we're going to look at verses 17 through 21. Jude, uh, verses 17 through 21. And I've titled it, Evil Workers Are Here. Here's what uh, Jude has to tell us. He's been talking about apostates and those who are evil. and He starts off with verse 16, he says, These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, their mouth full of great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. And then he says, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time, who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. He goes on. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit, uh, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you uh, for this time to study your word, looking at evil workers are here. And Father, would you guide us into your word and make it uh, come alive, help us to understand, help us to apply it to our lives, help us to grow from it, help us to be obedient to your word. And as you do these things for us, we will... Uh, give you the praise and honor and glory that belong only to you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. There was a small, anemic cowboy. He was too old to work the range anymore, and he got a job in one of those old-timey saloons out west. The owner of the saloon gave him one piece of advice. He said, if you hear that Big John is coming, drop everything and run. Things went by and went fine for several weeks and then finally one cowboy came rushing in out of breath and said, Big John is coming, Big John is coming. Everybody started running out the doors and crashing through windows. Just the, the the saloon was just, shoo, and everybody was gone. But in the melee, as he tried to get off, he was knocked off his feet and trampled. He shook himself and he got up. He saw the largest man he'd ever seen come riding up. Uh, to the hitching post on a buffalo, driving it with a rattlesnake for a whip. The guy comes roaring in through the doors and rips the doors off, throws the rattlesnake into the uh, corner, smashes the bar in half with one hand, grabs it with the other and says, give me a drink. He shakes real hard he goes behind and he hands him a bottle. He bites the bottle off and spits that part off, swallows the whole contents of the bottle in one gulp. And the guy shakily says, the bartender, the old cowboy says, do you want anything else? He said, not me. I'm getting out of town. Big John's coming. Well, we think that's a little bit hilarious, but throughout the Bible, we are warned that evil workers will come. Rather, I would say they're probably here. Are we to cower? Are we to run away? What are we to do? But I think the word tells us we must hold fast to the word of God when confronted with evil workers. We must hold fast to the word of God when we're confronted with evil workers. How do we do that? The first thing I think we need to do is we need to remember the past this section of scripture says in verse 17, but you, speaking to us, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to understand that this was a warning that had been given to us. He said, remember these words, how they told you in verse 18 that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are essential persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. So we need to remember the past. Uh, Remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of the Lord Jesus. So remember the warning. In Acts chapter twenty verse twenty nine, Paul warned against grievous wolves that would enter uh, the church not sparing the flock. Again, in first Timothy four one he said, In the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of demons. In second Timothy three one, the apostle Paul said, In the last days. Perilous times will come. Peter warned us in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 with these words. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fire ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. We're reminded to remember the past, to remember the warning that we were given, that the days we lived in would be perilous times, that there were evil workers that were coming and on the scene even in their day and more so in our day that would teach people false things claiming to be Christians. If ever in the United States that day has come, it's now. We need to understand that I don't wanna be like Chicken Little running around saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling and not knowing what's going on. We need to remember that Jesus said we were to know the times and the seasons. We should know and be watchful that he is coming again. We must not live our lives as if Christ is not coming again, as if we do not believe in the second coming of Jesus, as if we do not believe that he's going to bring all of history to its consummation. We also don't want to be trying to pin down dates because he said no one knows that date or that time or the hour that the Son of Man comes. We need to understand that we live in the between the tension of he could come any day, but we don't know one, and it's a constant tension. But... <clears throat> We need to be ready. And being ready means we care on the work. We do that, first of all, by remembering, remembering the past. Remember the warnings that we read. Are we looking at our Bibles? Are we remembering the warnings of what he said the evil days would look like? They'd be just like the days of Noah where they were giving and receiving in marriage and not paying attention to world events. They weren't paying attention to how bad it was getting, how he said it, men's love would grow colder and colder. Do we understand that? Those in the past went before us, so there'd be days like this, days of pandemic, days when the country was headed the wrong way, days when we see generations just turning their back to God and denying Him. Days when our leaders are no longer godly leaders, but days when they would lead us further and further away from what he told us in his word. So we remember the past. We remember the warnings, remember the promises, but also remember the word. See, we've been given a word for perilous times. The Bible gives us words both of warning and of comfort for the days in which we live. We were not born out of due time. We were born in the right time. God chose for us to live in times like this, times that people have never seen before, we're living in. Times that maybe not have been seen in the last hundred years, we are now living in. We need to understand that and be aware But remember the word that Jesus said. Jesus himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do we grab a hold of that during difficult days? Do we grab a hold of that during perilous times? He said specifically, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, no matter what the circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter how the trouble seems to pile on us, no matter who seems to knock at our door that we don't want to see, we need to understand that he said my power, my presence, my promises will never be away from you who belong to me. Every experience, every circumstance of life he's in control of. The apostle Paul said it this way, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He also went on to say in first Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation. The word temptation. There's an interesting word. It does mean temptation. It's also translated tribulation and trouble. No temptation, no tribulation, no trouble has overtaken you. But such as is common to man. In other words, we're all in the same boat. Those before us were done, went through this because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Those that are now here are going through the same things we well. are. There's nothing it's not common to men. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted, troubled, tried beyond what you are able but with the temptation, the trouble, the trial will provide a way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. My mama used to say that old trite saying, Gary, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I was so sick of hearing that because she would say that. My football coaches would say that. The teachers that they gave us tests, tests that I hated in algebra would say that. We need to understand those things. But we need to understand we don't just get going in our own strength. We need to remember the past, the, the words that we were warned by. We need to remember the past and the present, the promises that are ours now. We need to remember the presence and power of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit residing within us. We need to remember that we haven't been left alone. That he's with us through the midst of this. So we don't walk around as those without hope, but as those with ultimate hope. Do we live like that in a dark world in trying times? So we need to remember the past. But we must also examine the present. Examine the present. Verse 20 tells us these words. But you, I like that, but you beloved, we're the beloved in Christ Jesus, but you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Build yourselves up, we examine the present. We understand that we look at ourselves and we're to build ourselves up in the faith, we had a firm foundation to stand. But my question is, how do we build ourselves up in the faith? First of all, 1 Peter 2.2 tells us that we do it by desiring the word of God. He says, as newborn babes, desire the pure miracle of the word that you may grow thereby. There's a time and season for everything, but there's always a season For studying God's Word. There's always a time to grow in God's Word. There's always a time to know and understand what's happening around us in light of God's Word. There are times to see God moving in our lives and in our communities as we see it expressed in God's Word. Are we meditating on the word, memorizing the word, reading the word, studying the word, immersing ourselves in the word? This is the time to do that. So we build ourselves up first by designing the word. Secondly, we do it by hearing the word. Are we listening to the word? It's not just enough to read it. We have to really hear it to understand it. Paul said in Romans 10:17, "So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want your faith built up. hear the word of God. read it out loud to yourself. listen to it uh, on audio. Uh, listen to those conservative, Baptist preachers on the radio and TV don't get caught up in the name and claim it theology. Those who might be the evil workers, those who would twist and preserve the truth and uh, follow after their own lust, those who uh, twist the word of God for their own benefit to take advantage of people. See, we're to hear the word of God. In the Hebrew, you never really heard from God uh, till you acknowledged it. And you acknowledge it by the third thing. See, we, we need to desire the word. We need to hear the word. But the most important thing we do is obey the word. We need to obey the word of God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, and the apostle John, the apostle of love, says this. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know we're in him. By what? because we obey the Word of God. So we desire the Word, we hear God's Word, we acknowledge we've heard God's Word by obeying God's Word, that builds us up in the faith. That's how we examine the present, present. I remember as a young pastor getting ready to hire a, a, the church's first a, a youth pastor and, and he had a degree in education. And so I had several edu- questions and Want to know why he got a degree in education and this and that? And he said, well, I don't want to be an education minister. I don't even want to be a youth pastor. I said, then why did you get an education degree? And he said, I wanted to be a pastor, but I knew everything I needed to know about the word. I took the education degree because I wanted to know how to run the church. You knew everything you needed to know about the word? Really? I many Christians that have been Christians for 70 and 80 years who are still diligently studying the Word because it's new and fresh every morning to them? It is the bread of life to them. Is it to us? Do we realize it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword that divides the thoughts and intents of the heart, even to the joints and the marrow? Do we understand that? know enough, know everything I need to know about the word? No, it's a lifelong, continuous commitment to study God's word, to desire that study, to spend time with God, to hear him, to obey him, to learn how he would have us to walk with him. Are we doing that, church? In perilous times, with evil workers abounding in our government, in our nation, on the news media, in the printed media, on TV, on radio. These people who would have us by the world's way rather than God's way, we need to desire the word, hear the word, and obey the word. And that takes a lifelong commitment. The third thing, we need to focus upon God. In verse 21, he gives us another command. He says it, this way. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep ourselves in the love of God. He didn't say, Jude didn't say, keep on loving God. We think this Jude is the same one that is mentioned as one of the Jesus' brothers who didn't believe until after he rose from the dead. As best we can tell, that's the author of this book. He said, keep yourselves in the love of God. He knew his Old Testament. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He believed in Jesus. He he wouldn't say, us keep on loving God. He said, keep yourselves in God's love. Why did he not tell us to keep on loving God? Because our love is fickle. Our love changes with the wind. We sin, we grow cold, we, we despair. Our love is not. But the love of God is always, always for us in Christ Jesus. There are two examples in Scripture about God's love. One is a positional example. It comes from Philippians 1.21 when the Apostle Paul says, For me to live is Christ. His position was, My life is in Christ Jesus, and I will live my life for Christ Jesus. That's the position we're to be in. Then there's a negative example. It's in Luke chapter 15. It's it's the prodigal son. The prodigal had all the father's love and rejected it and went away. I'm not saying you can lose your salvation, but, but what he did was he could not enjoy the benefits of the father's love because he went away. When we stray, when we backslide, when we do things we shouldn't do, when we don't turn in repentance, we... Stray from the Father's love. Jesus said it this way. In John 15, 10, he said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. He goes on to say, as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You want to abide in God's love, it means keeping God's commands. We need to focus upon God. The positive example is for me to live as Christ. I keep his commands, I abide in his love. then he goes on with the fourth thing about these perilous times, about these difficult days. You see, he's told us to remember the past. He has told us uh, to examine the present. He has told us to focus upon God. And finally, he says, yearn for the future. He says it this way again, the last part of verse 21. He says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Yearn for the future. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, In the Greek, it means waiting anxiously or looking for. It means we're waiting anxiously or looking for. In other words, what it says is, we're waiting for Christ to come because we know when he comes, this life will cease and he will deal with us in mercy because we've accepted him as Lord and Savior. That he will deal with us mercifully, if you will. We need to understand that. We need to understand, I think, what the uh, little girl learned as she started school. This little girl, her, her mother worried about her starting school. She was born with some birth defects. She was not like the other children, and she knew when she started school she could no longer shelter her from the cruel cruelty of kids. She could no longer be there to help her with this. So the little girl came home from the first couple of days of school crying, and when her mama said, "Tell me what happened. What's wrong? They're so mean. They're so mean to me. All they do is point out how I'm different." She looked at her mama with those big tearful eyes, and she asked a question that her mama had been dreading. Mama, why did God make me this way? Her mama silently prayed, Lord, help me to answer this. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her heart. And her mother responded, Honey, God's not through with you yet. Don't worry about it. God's not through with you yet. See, God isn't finished with us yet. It should cause us to yearn for the future when he will be finished with us. We'll be within glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 24 of Jude, I want to read. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen. God's not done with us yet, church. He still has work for us to do. Believe it or not, there will come a day when we'll be able to meet again in safety. We'll be able to meet again. I'm not saying it'll be the same as it was before. I think there's going to be a new normal. I think... I'm trying to work up a sermon on a new normal. I heard one and it sort of sparked some interest about new normal, but it, it, it wasn't clear to me, so I'm trying to work my own up. But you pray for that. How do we do now? I think we handle these days by remembering the past, both the word and the warning and the promises of the Bible. I think we do it by examining the present, by designing the Word and hearing the Word and obeying the Word. I think we do it by focusing upon God, that He is still in control no matter what men may say or how it may look. And we need to find ourselves in Him, or we need to repent of not finding ourselves in Him. And we must yearn for the future, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he alone is worthy of our praise. He's not finished with us yet, so let's persevere. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your time together. And I just ask that you'll guide us and direct us. Lord, that you'll continue to protect our church and our families. Protect our extended family that reaches around the world, those fellow Christians around the world, across the United States, who are suffering. In the midst of this pandemic, Lord, would you be glorified? Would you draw men and women to yourself with your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you pour out a blessing of revival upon our land, upon our world, upon our church, upon my heart and others' hearts? Father, would you protect our first responders, our military, our missionaries? We need you as never before, Lord. Our country is full of hatred and turmoil and division. Only the love of Christ can save that. We need healing, Father. Father, there are those who are experiencing racism, and I pray that you'll put an end to racism. There's no room for it in your lovely kingdom. Father, there are those who are hungry and in suffering and and in poverty, and we ask you would feed them and lift them out of their situations to worship you. Father, you are so gracious to us, and I thank you for that. We beg you, Lord, send a revival. Wrap us with your Holy Spirit. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us. Fill us with the joy of our salvation and let us share with others why we find hope during difficult days when evil people are present. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.